Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wildbo's most spooky work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And just like that, we're back for a Sandra Duchamp interlude. Um, Bridge yeah. 3.x, yeah, we get into some more histories. Yeah, this Sandra Duchamp wouldn't have even made like my top 20 list of mm. guesses uh, for an interlude, but oh, I'm so glad it was. This was a lot of fun. Well, not yeah. fun. Fun's the wrong word. This was... Is it? It was a good chapter. Well, yes, it is. You're right. Fun <laughs> is the wrong word, but I, I thought there was a lot of very uh, entertaining parts to this to this uh, chapter, which we will get into. Um, yeah. We actually... <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let, let's just get stuck into it. Um, we start with a, a very young Sandra being made up by her auntie for an as of yet unknown reason. Um, but despite that, it's tense. It starts out very tense. Yeah. Well, the opening line is back straight and for the love of God, stop sweating, which mm. is just immediately you're like, I don't know who this is, but I hate them because <laughs> like what what sort of unreasonable request is stop sweating? That's a fine request, Elliot. We live in a world of magic. <laughs> yeah, I did I did think as I was writing that, oh, I guess there could be magic, but I, I don't know. I feel like it's meant to just be like a... And I, I feel like there's a lot of things that are, who, who we learn soon is Nicole just says all this stuff and you're just like, oh, like, what sort of bullshit is this? It's, it's funny because you go... I, I am very quickly went from, oh, Sandra Duchamp to, oh, poor Sandra Duchamp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, you are... Uh... You definitely feel for her immediately, even though literally the previous chapter ended with her playing a major part in fucking over our protagonist, who we like, yeah. for the most part. <laughs> yeah, uh, one one kind of quote I want to pull out here is, uh, Sandra's thinking about glamour, and she thinks, long-term use and overuse with glamour led to complications, as in all things, which I think is another... Um, and, an example of what this chapter does really nicely hit home a lot of beats that have kind of been reinforced throughout the story so far. If this one specifically uh, hits home why Blake's desire to kind of lean on glamour a lot is a bad idea. The very thing he did this exact chapter. <laughs> and it's not just that, like, even even this little thing delivers within the chapter as well. It kind of does both, which is cool. Yeah. There's lots of tiebacks to the sorts of magic Blake has been learning about in the last arc or two. But it also is important to this little history story of, of Sandra that we get um yeah it, it's, it's nice yeah so um the start of this chapter is Nicole Sandra's aunt kind of making her up like prepping her to be inspected I don't know <laughs> what's yeah. the right word for this um perved on by uh, a potential it's... suitor yeah because it's like okay so we know the Duchamp's whole thing was that they married the daughters off in political marriages, essentially. Like, it was yeah. all... It, you, we got the impression it's mostly a prearranged political marriages. Yep. And and I don't know. I guess... Cause I, I guess I didn't realise how bad that was. Like, I guess I thought, oh, well, you know, it's like the, the... The Duchamps are really the ones sort of expressing power in a lot of this. And it's an all-female coven. So you sort of expect there to be, I guess, a feminist element to it. But yeah. that seems to be very untrue like this is this is very uncomfortable and like the way sandra is so like objectified in this is very uncomfortable yeah i i think we as the audience kind of realize how gross it is 
as Sandra does. Um, she's kind of always known that this was what was going to happen in her life, but she never really, I don't know, it didn't sink in what it actually tangibly meant um, until later on where she's kind of like, oh, yeah, this is actually what this is like. Shit. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's multiple instances of that in the chapter where things are just sort of hitting Sandra for the first time. It's like, oh, like this is real. Like I think a lot of these things have been abstract concepts in her future and it's yeah. all sort of becoming real now. And, and, and like, I think uh, another thing this first chunk of the chapter's doing, it's constantly harrowing home how old school the Duchamps are. Um, like, Nicole keeps using words like coterie to describe uh, <laughs> Jeremy's, like, harem thing, which is just, yep. like, who uses the word coterie? Yeah. And she's, you know, she's uh, she's wearing, like, a corset, which I think uh, Sandra specifically calls out as something that should not be happening in the 80s. Yeah, it really kind of reinforces how from another time the whole Duchamp like yeah. marrying women to men is a is Well and, and and we find out later that Sandra's implement is a chalice, which we were told mm. like an arc ago is a very old school feminine yeah. implement. In fact I think that chapter even specifically said it's only really still used in some old school covens. Um <laughs> which you know which is, is just great really kind of set up for this exact chapter. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've kind of hinted at it, but Sandra is here being met up by her aunt because she is going to meet Jeremy. Um, Jeremy meets her potential husband. And so he, after a bit of kind of back and forth uh, finishing touches by her aunt, Jeremy walks in and introduces himself, backed by a coterie of something? <laughs> Some kind of creatures that we don't really get what they are, except that they're definitely not human. Uh, but they look like human women and human men, and they're creepy. <laughs> the whole chapter up until now has been nitpicking everything about Sandra's uh, appearance so that yeah. she makes the perfect first impression, and then this dude just stumbles in drunk with a bunch of monsters behind him, and you just it's just a bit of a, like, <laughs> Sandra and the reader are both just like, man, what was the fucking point of any of this? Like, yeah. He clearly uh, doesn't give two shits. He, he Yeah, he really... Like, you really get the impression he could not care less what how, how much Sandra is made up here. Yeah, oh. I, I love this little line. Um, Sandra thinks as they come in, it's like they were here in so many senses, assaulting the senses even, which yeah. is a fun little bit of wordplay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and we, this is our first note of finding out about Jeremy's uh, harem, I guess we're going to call them. Yeah. Um, they're, they're just so creepy, but I love how we kind of get this weird family dynamic from them uh, throughout the chapter. So we're going to keep hitting those beats because I just love calling them out. They're, I think my favourite <laughs> part of the chapter is just how Jeremy's harem interacts with, with Jeremy and, and later Sandra. Yeah. So Sandra's aunt here speaks with, with Jeremy and kind of presents Sandra to him. Um, he does not give two shits though <laughs> and is is like openly disinterested until sandra finally kind of starts speaking for herself yeah i i was kind of immediately drawn to him uh because of what a sarcastic arsehole he was and i think yeah i think part of that is because you just really hate nicole so much and his initial <laughs> Uh, bastardry is directed at her. Yeah, he really takes her down a peg or two. It's great. Yeah, his introduction where he says, uh, my name is Jeremy Meath. My friends call me Jerry. You can call me Jeremy. 
is <laughs> fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, um, he he really endears himself to us, even though I mean he's kind of set up in this chapter to become an antagonist, right? Like the end of this, I mean, we're jumping ahead of it, but the end the end of this chapter really does set him up as an antagonist to Blake, but he's still just so endearing, even on later reads. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, Sandra kind of puts on a good showing, uh, she is also a bit uninterested, and so she kind of <laughs> lets out her distaste through this conversation, but, um, kind of is able to, I, I guess, keep up with his, like, put-downs and, and kind of stay one step ahead of them, um, in a way that kind of, uh, endears her to him a bit. Well, yeah, it's interesting, because she kind of gets, I think she lets her pride get in the way here, because... She she gets so caught up in proving him wrong wrong that she's a dumb blonde that yeah. you know she does a really good job and he agrees that he does want to marry her and she sort of has this moment a bit later where she's like wait shit <laughs> wait I don't want to marry this I guy yeah. what am I doing um <laughs> why was I convincing him that I that he should marry me <laughs> um and yeah and I mean you know there's there's a lot we'll probably talk about this a, a bit more as this sort of section ends but there's definitely she gets. She gets so caught up in defending herself that there's she doesn't remember why she's doing it. Yeah, and there are a few kind of horrifying moments in here where she kind of realizes how real it is. I think the most horrifying one is uh, when Nicole kind of jumps into the conversation and offers to use Glamour to kind of permanently change Sandra's appearance to be Jeremy's type. And Sandra's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Which we've just learned would be bad for other reasons related to Glamour as well. But it's just like... It, yeah, like Nicole deserves a special "fuck you" shout out for for that yeah. moment. Like, what a monster! Yeah, Jesus, and it's it's. I think in context, it's made worse because towards the end of this scene, Nicole kind of does offer Sandra an out of this. Yeah, or, or kind of offers her an out of this situation, but with the context that Nicole kind of knows what she's doing and has been in the same situation that Sandra is in, like this is fucking horrifying. Yeah, well, if you wanted to be really charitable to Nicole, you could say she didn't genuinely have plans to do that. She just wanted to get a read on Jeremy. I don't subscribe to that. I'm just offering it as a bit of a devil's advocate argument. Um, Well, maybe she didn't intend to do it, and I didn't check the wording too carefully, but she's a practitioner. So offering to do something as a practitioner, I don't know, has weight behind it. Oh, I guess, but you could say, I think she, she may even say, like, we could blah, 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 which is non, yeah, non-committal. Yeah. Sure. But I, I also like this little detail. Uh, 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 this is just a nice bit of world building, how Sandra studied English and theology at uni, which yep. just, like, as soon as I read that, I was like, well, yeah, of course you would. Yeah, well, in the practitioner world, for sure. Um, Sandra kind of is proud of herself for these choices, and then Jeremy's like, and so who chose for you to study those? <laughs> and it comes out <laughs> yeah. that, you know, she just kind of chose from a pre-selected list of approved uh, course, you know, electives. Yeah. Fun little moments. Um, so throughout Sandra kind of uh, presenting herself a bit more strongly, Jeremy kind of gets closer and closer to, to being interested, but really seems to still not want to marry her. Um he ends up calling her boring, and she kind of freaks out a bit, throwing her familiar, a little stoat weasel thing named Hilda, at him, uh, which then turns into a big-ass fucking troll and, and, uh, and like, <laughs> stomps and ground-pounds the ground, making everyone fall over. <laughs> it's a, it's a yeah. dominant move. 
Well, I was really excited about this because this is the first time we've seen a person do a magic, like, from their perspective. Mm. Um, apart from Blake, like, I don't count anything. Doing Blake's the odd sigil that Mrs. Real Lewis magic. says, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not very helpful. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so you know, and, like, we're seeing, like, the relationship with the familiar is, is interesting because it's not, not quite telepathy between them, but, like, I think there's one point early in the chapter where uh, Nicole digs her fingernails into Sandra and the familiar bristles. So there's some sort of mm. some sort of connection there that you know seems to you know they seem to share pain or yeah. something like there's uh, there's a there's a point later in the chapter as well where I, I don't remember exactly what it is. I think Sandra kind of like looks at Hilda and Hilda has got her back to Sandra, but kind of notices this anyway and and sees this as a signal even without being able to see it. Um, so there's clearly some kind of connection going on there yeah so it's very much uh you know i'm very interested to get more details on what having a familiar uh entails in this way um as we call and then also she uses her implement to power up hilda i I guess um i wasn't clear on exactly what she was doing she was boosting some sort of connection maybe making her look scarier or something um but she just sort of she she dips her fingers into the chalice and um wiggles them around and (laughs) and you know sort of uses the power that's stored in it yeah yeah, um, it's all it all kind of works nicely together, and we see a bit of like, oh, this is a practitioner who's been training for what she's doing for you know eight nine years probably, and it's kind of reached a, a place of of comfort with her power. And this is the first time we've really seen that from that person's perspective. I think the other piece of information we get here that is maybe new. This may have been hinted at before. I don't think it's been told to us. Maybe I did just forget, but uh the the form of the familiar is related to the nature of the other mm. um because like sandra explains why this troll took the form of a a stoat and and so i mean of course impact like you know this I, I probably should have seen this coming but like the the form they take is representative of of the other to some degree and and so it sort of puts a lot more backing behind um Back in the very first or second chapter, when Rose Senior was like, "Don't get like a don't get a dog, a dog or a rat," yeah. um, and and so you know the rat thing, you know, I'm I'm sort of picturing something that's kind of sneaky and 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 gross mm. uh, that would take the form of a rat, and then dogs presumably are, are powerful, but you know also loyal. Like I mean, depends on the type of dog, I guess. Yep. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think previously we've kind of got ideas that the form of an other is related to its personality, and I guess this kind of hints a stronger link than that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, there's one other thing I want to call out, which is uh, (laughs) just a creepy bit. I'm just going to read this quote. Um, So Jeremy scratched at the back of his neck, and one, one of the women behind him reached out to scratch the spot with her clawed fingernails. He stretched his neck out to one side to give her more room. And it's just like... This this woman kind of steps in to scratch his neck for him in a very creepy way. Uh, uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's a weird little detail for someone to do. It's just off putting. Yeah, it's it's creepy. It's weird. Um, so Sandra has kind of shown herself up a bit. Uh, not shown shown herself off a bit more with with kind of almost attacking Jeremy. Uh, and he seems more interested. He kind of is quickly, like, turned around by this, agrees to marry her, and leaves. And Sandra's kind of like, oh, oh, shit, what have I done? <laughs> and then we transition to this really interesting bit where they're, they're leaving, and Nicole basically almost tries to convince Sandra to not marry Jeremy. Yeah, uh, so Jeremy has been set up as this kind of gamble. Uh, they don't 
really know that they're going to gain power by marrying somebody to him. Um, but there's a chance that he will kind of make a bid for power in Toronto soon, and they will want to be kind of attached to that. Uh, I mean, nothing nothing he has shown thus far would imply that he's going to be any sort of decent husband beyond that potential power, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so Sandra genuinely has a choice here. I mean, you know, there's there's implications around what she does, and she's a bit kind of a bit scared to say no, but you definitely get the impression that she she knows she can, but she doesn't. Nicole does seem to be pushing her in that direction, like because Sandra sort of calls out, well, yeah, but don't you punish people who reject good couplings? And Nicole's pretty much just kind of like, well, yeah, good good couplings, like is the is the key <laughs> yeah. point there. Like, yeah, you get Nicole the sense. basically <laughs> confirms that that Nicole would almost back her to the rest of the family and be like, nah, like fuck this guy. Yeah, and maybe this is compassion from Nicole. Maybe now that she's seeing Sandra like meeting Jeremy and seeing what a piece of shit he seems to be, maybe she is just kind of feeling bad and wanting to offer a stronger out. Um, yeah, but, but so weirdly, Sandra basically essentially chooses to marry Jeremy and it's, I, I like, I, I still don't fully understand her motivations. Like it's a very emotionally complex decision, I think, that I, I even feel like I'm going to need to see more of her in the story before I fully understand why she may have done this because it seems to be this weird mixture of like pride or family loyalty Mm. it's it's interesting yeah i i definitely think family loyalty is a theme that comes up throughout this chapter at the end of the next segment i think we might talk about it a bit more uh so let's let's move on um Yeah. yeah so we finished the first half of the chapter uh basically we jump forward in time and sandra is in the fairy realm um she has she, she's very much on edge, as anyone would be in the fairy realm. Uh, she has come there yeah. to negotiate for three fairy to kind of act as familiars for for young Duchamps, seemingly. Well, yeah, so that's sort of a cover. She's really there. Uh, her husband has had some satyrs kidnapped, yep. and she's really there to um, recover those. Yes, um, but this is just a really fun part where you get a lot of, like, wordplay puzzles because the fairy are so kind of crazy <laughs> in a really engaging way in a way where you have to second guess everything fairy are definitely the fun type of crazy to read i don't know if i would say that if i met one in real life but oh yeah no way they're nuts um like all this yeah. stuff like you their their entire world is crafted so you have like sandra's second guessing like gusts of wind <laughs> yeah she's thinking oh is this gust of wind a distraction it's yeah, hilarious yeah um, so Sandra's kind of talking to this fairy ambassador who was visiting her and Jeremy, um, and uh, she they think he has stolen for Satyr, uh, and she basically just <laughs> she she basically just all of a sudden gets Hilda to beat the shit out of him with a table, <laughs> um, <laughs> like it, it really comes out of nowhere. I mean, we sort of learn later, this is essentially the ambassador that the Duchamp family has been working with for a long time, and yeah. she just gets Hilda to beat the absolute shit out of him. Yeah, like, get him very close to dying. And, and she seems to imply that there's going to be no karmic retribution, or at least very little, because he stole the satyrs first, so it's kind of like revenge, and, and I guess the yeah. spirits are all about that shit. Um, yeah. So that's useful information. Like That probably backs Blake's play a little bit. Uh, with yeah. the, with the the dick swizzling uh from last chapter. That's true. That's true. 
Um, so she kind of tortures him enough that he kind of gives up that the satyr are here. And we get a cool little bit of uh, the power of strengthening connections, like the power of an enchantress here. Because Sandra just very intuitively kind of strengthens the connection between herself and the satyrs and then kind of walks off and the satyr just come to meet her. <laughs> um, yeah. It's very cool. I mean, this is the thing, like, because like, obviously Enchantresses specialise in connections, and since Blake has shown even he can do some basic manipulations, I've been wondering exactly what an advanced Enchantress looks like, and I think we're sort of seeing that yep. here. I mean, part of it is definitely there are so many millions of connections. I think being able to focus your sight and pick the ones you want is probably part of it, even. Mm, um, yeah. But, yeah, like, she does all this cool shit with them. Like, she she first notices that... Uh, the ambassador lays fake ones that if she would try to manipulate, she says she would get stuck, which I don't even, I don't know what that means. I'm not sure I want to know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and wait, the Seder are trapped in this maze. And so initially connections are very linear, like we've seen that before. And so she also seemingly has the ability to sort of loosen them so that they extend and show the actual path through the maze. And she, you know, she makes a little reference to Ariadne, which is, uh, a nice connection um, shows yeah. that she's really been spending a lot of time with uh, Jeremy and his gods. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so she pulls them out that way. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, but as she's on her way out, she kind of notices there's this strange trap that has been set for her where the ambassador specifically mentions by name who will be given safe passage. And Sandra thinks to herself, you know, she's mentioned, the the ambassador has mentioned everybody what's going why is why are yeah, they wording why? it strangely yeah and, and and interestingly part of what clicks her to this is the fact that her supposed ally fairies are the ones who are kind of like yep makes sense let's go and she's sort of like no <laughs> wait but the the main reason she clues into this is because she has absolutely zero trust for the people that she's hired to help her uh yep. which is hilarious yeah i mean rightly so uh she figures out that what the trap is but she doesn't reveal it to our to us audience plebs until a little bit later so sandra and hilda head home dragging the three fairy that will be the new familiars as well as the four satyr behind them they get back to jeremy and sandra's house and she kind of picks her way through the young harem <laughs> and heads <laughs> to talk to jeremy yeah so we sort of this is our first hint um of exactly what jeremy is um and what, what yeah. his god is yeah which is a great like it's just so perfect it, it's a yeah, it explains his appearance in the first half of the chapter very well. And also this this whole scene like where she walks in and there's like this giant fountain of wine and then there's just all these naked uh, satyrs and, and nymphs around. It's it's like a pretty impressive and, picture. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're all, they're young. I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sandra points out they're based on an ancient standard of beauty which is like greek young and so you know she doesn't explicitly say it but we can infer that means not actually i think she does explicitly say not legal contemporarily yeah i i mean definitely as soon as she sort of started on this tangent you're sort of like oh they're like young teenagers yeah. aren't they They're like romeo and juliet young yeah, yeah exactly um it's and so yeah, it's just a bit creepy in the 21st century um although as she does point out Technically, most of them are older than the Bible. Uh, yep, so, so I guess it's okay in the end. <laughs> uh, I, and I, well, because I love this bit where she's like, they're a little bit creepy, and it's not because they, you know, have sex with Jeremy. Like, ironically, that's that's not the part she's upset about, the fact that they sleep mm. with her husband. 
Well, we actually kind of dive into the relationship between Sandra and Jeremy, and like, it's, it it's so clearly not a sexual relationship, or yeah. at least that's not the main facet of it, because. Yeah, well, like, you know, Jeremy has this harem of of men and women that he can have sex with whenever he wants, and it's... So their relationship just can't be that. Um, What he needs instead is just a kind of support, emotional support. Oh, yeah, he needs a he needs a, a confidant and a friend, basically. Yeah. And that's... Uh, I mean, it's a little sad, but in the world of practitioners, somebody who's made, like, a marriage vow is probably as good as you're going to get in terms of friends. Um, Yeah, it, it's very kind of sweet in the end like you can tell that they clearly have formed this bond where they care about each other and and need each other to a large extent um yeah there's there's a there's a a very affectionate relationship it's almost more of a deep friendship than than anything romantic obviously Mm. sort of romances out of the cards but they've definitely really found you know something they've made something of this um you know they found stability arranged marriages can can go better but they can also go a lot worse and uh, this one you know in general i'd call this a bit of a win considering uh the impression you get in that first chunk of the chapter yeah well it's a win from their personal lives but uh on the on the sense of marrying jeremy because he's going to make a bid for power they kind of talk about how nine uh, eleven has just happened, and so yeah. therefore the Lord of Toronto, who is kind of based around these ideas of war, um, has just gotten very much stronger. He's referred to in, in numerous points as the, the the Lord of Conquest, which um, you know, I, I I still don't really have any idea what the Lord of Toronto is going to be, but um, you know, it sounds like he if he's anything like like Jeremy, you know, maybe he's someone who is all about like the the god of war like Ares or something um i i guess we'll see but uh it definitely seems like the fact that there's conflict in the world is somehow powering him um yeah. which means that their bid is is not going to go well and and there's there's an interesting aspect to this because they're both clearly disappointed and i almost got a bit of a sense of like when we met jeremy in the initial chapter he was very much someone who didn't really give a shit about the future like he was just living in the moment yeah. And Sandra yep. has clearly sort of pushed him to become someone who plots a little bit more. And now this plot is falling yep. apart and he gets a bit upset at this. And there's almost a bit of resentment at her, I think, mm. for essentially getting his hopes up and giving him a purpose that has now fallen apart. And, and uh, you know, so it's sort of like he wasn't going to be disappointed before because he didn't care. And I, I think he... Yeah. It, it does seem... I got the impression he does blame her a little bit for it. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I mean they 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 do have this relationship where they've found kind of stability, but that you can tell that this kind of feels like there is resentment building up for the way their lives have started to turn out. Um, yeah, and uh, this conversation kind of ends with Sandra bringing up what she figured out in the fairy realm, which is there was somebody else there uh, because she's pregnant. Um, and yes, she kind of re- she uh, starts to reveal that. Well, this child is going to be a baby because Duchamp's always have baby. Oh, sorry, this child is going to be a baby. This child's going to be a baby <laughs> girl because Duchamp's always have girls. Um, and then Jeremy kind of reposts this by saying, "Yeah, but you know, my god's a god of fertility, and he's made it a boy." Uh, oops. And Sandra kind of freaks out, knowing that uh, if the Duchamps have a boy, it will break a lot of rituals that they've had going for years and years. And she knows that they won't let her keep it. And Jeremy has this very pithy line at the end saying, well, you know, Greek gods love a tragedy. And it's just so heartbreaking. 
Yeah, I mean, so I guess we've got the second fuck you shout out of the chapter to Dionysus, who, as your reward for dedicating your life to him, uh, forces you to get rid of your babies. Um, yeah. W- what a dick. Yeah, <sighs> it's, it's heartbreaking because, like, you know, this is something Jeremy doesn't like, realize. This. It's one of the nymphs who actually brings up that the baby's going to be a boy. And Jeremy yeah. sort of puts it together. But, like, you know, this yeah. is not something he wanted either, um, you can tell. Um, yes. and, and as we sort of and- see, this this basically shatters the marriage that they had, which they had called fragile, but was was sort yeah. of working for them. They had both found something, and so it's it's a shame to see it shattered the way it was. Yeah, and throughout the entire chapter, we're kind of getting hints of, of who Jeremy is and how kind of taxing it is for him to be a priest of Dionysus right like he spends his whole life being very drunk and that means that he (laughs) if he if he but if he gets too drunk well shit he's gonna get taken advantage of and like you know (laughs) fucked over by by his own harem and there's all these things where he's kind of like always walking a razor's edge and this is another example of it and it the it breaks the fragility of their relationship Mm. yeah it's uh it's cold um so we jump forward um, some amount of years, seven, eight, something like that. Um, and Sandra calls Jeremy and it's clear that they haven't spoken in, in many years. And it's clear that they only ever talk when one of them needs something from the other, uh, which is very sad. Um, so Jeremy asks, what do you need? And Sandra says, there's someone coming your way. You'll know them when you see them. I need him to not come back. Um, obviously talking about Blake. Yeah. So we, we end the chapter on this little uh round off back to you know our main story um and you know implicitly setting jeremy up as someone who's going to appear in this toronto segment of the story spoilers <laughs> <laughs> oh man like this chapter really is tragic right like we we track the entire of the entire basically the entire marriage of sandra and jeremy from the start to this kind of turning point in the middle to what has been this slow slide into mediocrity for both of their lives you get the feeling like they both kind of had dreams and now they're just here yeah it's it's a bummer um yeah we've we followed this the whole journey of this relationship and uh you know it starts on a low uh, reaches a pretty high point in the middle and then ends on even worse than uh, yeah. how it started. Uh, it's, I don't it's even rough. know if it's a high point. It, it kind <laughs> of reaches like a happy medium and then just falls apart. Yeah, you're right. The high point is very much a we've we've made do and, and turned something pretty good out of bad circumstances. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's tragic. It's tragic. Um, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the arc. It's a depressing. It's a depressing. What a fun end. chapter! Um, it, that's the thing. I mean, it's <laughs> when you consider the story as a whole, it is a tragic chapter. But the whole way through, you get fun, kind of creepy beats, and you get fun interplay with the fairies, and it's it's a fun chapter. It's um, definitely the ending that really bums yeah. you out. Yeah. 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 Anyway, let's <laughs> let's talk about uh, just arc three bridge in general. I think um, it was an interesting yep. chapter. Um, why don't we start off by talking about the arc title, my favourite thing to theorise about. Um, <laughs> breach. What do you think it means, Elliot? Um, so, I mean, obviously, Blake breaches into Leia's house. Like, that's the obvious the obvious one. He, he breaches uh, into the wedding and, and causes some chaos. Um, well, but- I think that's 
<laughs> I think that's what we're meant to kind of, as we're reading through the chapter, we're meant to think, oh, li- like Blake is breaching the lead defenses. He's finally yeah. scoring some points. And then the chapter ends with, oh no, the reverse of that. It's actually Blake's defense that has been breached and now he's shit out of luck. That's true. There's, there's breaching both ways. Um, yeah. I, I, but I think the big one is there's definitely a sense uh, throughout this whole arc of Blake having bits of himself breached. So obviously mm. uh, the glamour gets right into him uh, towards the end and we yeah. see it's affecting him emotionally as well. Um, yeah. And, and we, we have that reveal in the first two chapters of the sense that Rose is actually the person with this power and, and, and Blake definitely sees that as, you know, he has that little existential crisis. So there's... yeah. Uh, there's a um, bit of a, a bit of that, and then um, if you really want to stretch it, Rose Rose has breached the rules of trust by hiding this control from him. Uh, I think that's a stretch. Yes, that's that's probably that's probably um, the point where I was like, okay, I I need to stop reaching. Yeah, I you need to stop reaching or breaching. Um, anyway, so the start <laughs> of this arc, we get Blake uh, kind of turning. <laughs> like fading out of the world you know um, yeah and he, he really does kind of freak out a bit uh realizing that his tattoos his identity his strong sense of self um is being eroded away uh and so i think that's that's a major theme throughout this chapter mm. yeah i i struggled to put together a super cohesive theme binding the whole arc it almost felt like there was mm. two parts there was uh, the bit with Briar Girl and Maggie at the start, and then there was the um, you know, the undercover mission and and the roundup to that. But sort of looking at Sandra's interlude for clues, I I think like overall we sort of saw mostly in this arc people fighting against a destiny or not. Like Sandra, mm. Sandra kind of chooses to pursue this destiny that it turns out isn't really being forced on her. Um, yeah, and it doesn't quite work out, and now she sort of had to retreat back home and and turn into the matriarch of the Duchamp family, whereas yeah. um Blake is like fighting tooth and nail to uh go against uh his supposed death that is you know imminent, and we his see destiny him... is to die, <laughs> and we see him kind of not really win that either, and now he's retreating back home to Toronto, so there's there's a bit of a mirroring mm. going on there. Um, like neither yeah. have, neither have really lost permanently. Like Sandra didn't permanently lose Jeremy, but she's now detached from him. Blake has the same thing with the house. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. So I feel like I'm kind of reaching a bit there, but uh, yeah, that's that's sort of what I took out of the arc as a whole. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I, I think there is a nice kind of mirroring in that sense between Sandra and Blake. But you're right that I. I think the the strongest theme throughout this arc is the theme of Blake's identity kind of being stolen from him. <laughs> um, I like this arc, Elliot. I think this arc really kind of does mark a turning point in the chapter in a lot of ways, um, and we will start talking about that as we see the impacts of that. But Blake leaving Jacob's Bell forever, as far as we know, <laughs> um, it, it's going to shake up the story, and I'm excited to see what happens next. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean I, I think I sort of said at the end of three point five, I'm I'm very excited for this. I feel like we've set up Jacob's Bell and we'll come back here, but oh, no, we uh, we're gonna get some breathing room now to to introduce new characters. There's gonna be so many others now who might actually be familiar candidates because they're not all trying to kill him, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel like this is gonna be a really a really fun way to sort of expand the story a bit before we come back to Jacob's Bell for the for the business end of the story. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot with a speculation here, Elliot. 
which is, uh, I think of all the others we've seen, the one that we've consistently found out more and more about is fairies, right? Yeah, it, they do seem to be the most prominent uh, type of other in the story so far. Um, yeah, and we even get some explicit calling out of this where Blake and Rose kind of theorise that they might be getting a fairy as a familiar. I mean, Andy kind of counteracts that, but I, I guess what I'm trying <laughs> to ask, Elliot, is are you in camp Andy? Do you think Blake will get a fairy familiar? Um, I, I don't think so. I think we're seeing a lot of them, but I, I think that's just, they do seem to be prominent in the world and, and with the Duchamps. I, I, don't, I don't think you'll get a familiar uh, that's a fairy, no. Hmm. All right. Um, we'll I also, I, I did have one speculation of my own. I was, I was sort of going to drop. Right. What you got? I this maybe this is just me being optimistic, but I don't think Jeremy is going to stay antagonistic towards Blake. I reckon. I, I reckon you know they might you know Jeremy might come after him at the start because he doesn't know him, but I reckon these two might actually find some common ground and and you know maybe even not work together, but not not be antagonistic towards each other. Hmm. Your speculation is that somebody won't be antagonistic towards Blake. I think <laughs> yeah. for this story, it's, it's a bit so of a far, reach. That's a pretty bold <laughs> speculation. Um, I don't know. Jer- like, I mean, you know, Jeremy. Jeremy set himself up as someone who doesn't really like to hold grudges or anything, and and he he's pretty laid back. So I'm kind of hoping that he's someone that Blake will actually end up being able to sort of use in a non-negative way. Hmm. Interesting. Um. Well, we shall see. Uh. When we come back for. Uh, the start of uh, Arc 4. Our next episode, Arc 4, 4.1, Chapter 4.1, will be coming out on the 4th of March in just a few days. So uh, stay tuned for that. Yes. Uh, and if you want more details on the show uh, and, you know, the previous episodes as well as the upcoming episodes, uh, you can head to our website, doofmedia.com. From doofmedia.com, you can also find the Doof Patreon. Um, so we've been uh, we've been on the Doof Network for... A, a month now, right? Um, yes. February was the month that we joined at the very start, and it's been a it's it's been really great to see all the Doof Network kind of welcome us with open arms and and join in, kind of reading along, packed with us and speculating with us. Um, we really enjoy having a kind of grown community, and that has come about because we joined the Doof Network. Um, so, if you want to kind of join that community and show thanks for, for kind of having us, I guess. Head on to the Doof Patreon, patreon.com slash doofmedia, and donate, donate a buck or two every month. It's not that much money. It's pretty cheap, huh? Yeah, and while you're there, you know, maybe think about swinging some money Wadbo's way as well because he writes lots of stories and they're all really good so far. Yeah, this is his full-time job, and that's only because people care enough to donate money to him, so uh, keep yeah. that going. Um, or else no more stories. We'll never get packed too, packed harder. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> too packed, too furious. Um. Um, and so what, just sort of as we're rounding up talking about Doof, uh, I think they've just dropped the sixth episode of We've Got Weaver Dice, which you can find yep. in the We've Got Ward uh, thread. Uh, so, you know, that's basically uh, a bunch of the guys there playing uh, like Worms uh, role-playing game. And it's a really yep. fun little series. Uh, I definitely recommend people check it out. Uh, it's basically the three uh, the three guys torturing Matt, the game master, as he builds creative worlds and they tear them to pieces. <laughs> or just ignore them, seemingly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a fun series. It doesn't update frequently, so when there's a new update, go go check it out, digest it, enjoy it, listen to it a few times. Um, yeah. Thoughts on uh, this chapter, 3.x, uh, or your thoughts on kind of Breach in general, 
If you want to chat to us about that, you, the best place to do that is in the discussion threads. Um, in the description of this episode, you can check out the discussion threads and uh, yeah, leave us your thoughts on Reddit, and we'll chat about we'll chat about it with you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apart from that, I guess we'll see you all on Monday. Yeah. See you on Monday for four point one.